yo, hey yo, hey yo. Survey time. Did all you people come to see WCW? Or did all you people come to see the pretty close, but that's one more for the good guy. Hell yes. How is it going? Hello, everyone. Welcome to Culture. I'm your host, Leslie. Tonight. I hope you're excited for some wrestling. I am. Huge, huge, huge night for Dynamite. I forget the, what the name of the gimmick is. It should be called the Thunder Rosa Show. Because that's what's going to happen. It's the Thunder Rosa Show. She's going to win the title, hopefully, in that steel cage match with Britt Baker. But I open the show, of course, with the bad guy, Scott Hall, R.I.P. Personally, you know, one of my all-time favorite wrestlers. Absolutely loved him. Loved him so much. If you love Scott Hall as a wrestler, you got to meet him. 40s with your feelings about the passing of Scott Hall. I also have two amazing guests tonight. Huge show tonight for us. I have two huge guests. Wrestling journalists I've been following for a while. And you know, it's Women's History Month, and both of these wrestling journalists are experts in the field of women's wrestling. And I'm so excited to have them all. I already have one on the line now. If you go ahead, unmute yourself, uh, Sierra, and tell everybody who you are. Hello. First and foremost, it's a long time since I've done one of these. I I am Um, so excited to have you on because, Sierra, people don't know. People who know me from Twitter, probably I've known you on Twitter longer than any any of these other people, right? We were old school wrestling. Yes. Like 2009, 2010. That's how long we've been uh, conversing. This is actually the first time I think we've... Did we do a podcast together one time, like maybe two? years ago i don't know maybe this is the first podcast we've done together but i'm so excited to have you on because you like me love joshi so much and but you became like a vastly more so please tell people about yourself and i'm so happy to have you on yeah i think we were trying to do a podcast two years ago and i think we both just got so busy because at that time I believe I was doing uh, Joshi, Joshi, Joshi with Alex that time. And it was something else. But eventually I retired from writing, podcasting, everything. But um, I cover women's wrestling from top to bottom and Joshi uh, at multiple sites. One, Angry Marks. Um, Then it was Ring Bells, which is, you know, my... You know, I'll always hold it close to my heart. Lee and Stu giving me that chance. And I went to Pro Wrestling Ponderings. And then my last place was Squared Circle Sirens, um, a great site of, you know, my late friend Casey, Michael. And, yeah, that's kind of what I've been doing. I've been called uh, the Dave Meltzer of women's wrestling. Um, (laughs) I don't like that comparison because... Uh, the main reason I got into covering women's wrestling is because I got tired of the short siding of writing when it came to women's wrestling, especially by Dave Meltzer. Yeah, well, and to be fair, Dave Meltzer is the Dave Meltzer of women's wrestling. Yeah. He has this whole thing going on. You don't, you don't need to make the comparison, but you did right. such uh, great work. Why did you end up uh, retiring 
Uh, and I'm happy that it was a wrestling retirement because I was able to pull you back in here. Yeah. Um, for me, it was, I would write to the extent of, I don't want to say pure exhaustion. Um, I put myself to a standard that I felt like this stuff is not being reported. And a lot of stuff when it came to women's wrestling, especially during that 2010 period till about 2016, a lot of stuff was not being reported. If it wasn't in Shimmer, if it wasn't in like brands that people could easily see visibly, they just ignored it. Whereas I would go and be like, what happened in this obscure promotion in the middle of Kansas? Yeah. <laughs> you know, or what happened in this Joshi promotion that has like 18 letters in its first name that no one can pronounce? Let me find out what Nanae Takahashi did this week. <laughs> you know, I would go to far links to find this information and put it all together for everybody to be able to read it. And then my favorite part was the research of finding all of this stuff, even if it was stuff from yesteryears and Joshi and I would just sit and read a whole bunch of stuff and then I would go back and watch all old like AJW stuff on YouTube, all this stuff. That's what I spent most of my time doing. So when you would message me or anybody else, that's what I was doing most of the time. But I stopped because I just felt like I was doing so much and not getting properly acclimated. And then I was watching other people that were not even doing half of nothing get that and it got kind of annoying because i did everything free 99 yes uh that was the thing i wrote i I wrote a ton about wrestling i had the website dirtydirtysheets.com which is now pro wrestling (laughs) never made any money on it in fact we just spit money going to wrestling uh shows because there really was no way to make money in wrestling unless you work for the wwe and even if you were like, uh, we don't have to say any names, but there were, were starting wrestling journalists out there who were able to make a bit of money, but it had to do with their proximity to WWE and their willingness to say that WWE is the greatest thing in the world at all times, no matter what the problems are. And that, and so people just covering local wrestling, independent wrestling, Japanese wrestling, Joshi, there was no like market for it, even though like there's a lot of fans, as we see in something like AEW, there was obviously a hunger for this stuff, but nobody was paying anybody uh, to write about it. It was just fans doing it for themselves. Yeah, I think um, during that period, it it seemed like between 2010, 2016, maybe 2017 at the most, there was just so many fans that went into business for themselves. And it's funny to think about it within wrestling that fans are going into business for themselves, (laughs) you know, because, you know, we've always been told about the forbidden door. We need to stay behind the gates, behind the barricades and cheer. But we had so many fans that were going to shows and going to sites and being like, hey, I went to this indie show. Here's the results. Please post them. And then you would see these same fans harass these sites and be like, hey, this is important. (laughs) Please (laughs) report it. And then eventually the sites will cave, especially when they'd be like, well, AIW is getting a name. Let's report on them. It seems like they have a fan base. But it's like we've been telling you. They're doing great things here, but because 
a lot of them were closed-minded. They didn't want to look outside of what was on television in front of them. And nowadays, we have so many streaming platforms that make everything so available to us that, you know, when I look at some of these sites, there should never be an issue of coverage, ever. You know, we didn't have that. We had to literally actually beg people to upload things on YouTube. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. So that it's it's different, but it's you know, I like how everything's changed now. Thankfully, but sometimes I wish we had a little bit more, you know, of that access, especially as fans that we're doing all this for ourselves and for everyone else's enjoyment. Yes, yes. And speaking of, I saw someone in the listeners that I wanted to bring up to a speaker, uh, Jennifer. How are you doing, sweetheart? I haven't talked to you in forever. Oh, my God. It's probably been 10 years. At least. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was not expecting you to invite me to speak. So um, thank you very much. It is so awesome to talk with you after all this time. Yeah, yeah. I know we have definitely podcasted together, probably on Diva Dirt or something uh, before way back in the day. Folks, this is before it Chapo Trap Chap House. This is before Street Fight. This is before Pod Save America, wherever. You know, we were doing this. Wrestling fans actually have been at the forefront of embracing, like, posting and technology and podcasts. I certainly know the some of the first paid podcasts were professional wrestling podcasts. Everybody got upset because, like, why would you pay for a podcast? And it's like, oh, that's one of your three career options. Oh. But, yeah, Bruh. thank you so much, Jennifer, for coming on. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Um, getting ready to... Get something to eat and watch uh, Thunder Rosa take the title from Britt Baker. Oh, yeah. So let's talk about AEW a bit. Big show tonight. I, I, I actually, Jen, I want to ask you because I know you from old school indie days. Shimmer and shit. I didn't, never knew you to be into, you know, TV wrestling. But you're into AEW? Oh, yeah. I mean, going back, WWE is what got me in. And I never really, like, completely stopped. But... When AEW came on the scene, I gravitated to it immediately just because it's it's got it originally had all the independent names that I was familiar with and then it had people that I wasn't familiar with and it was giving them a platform and they seem to be doing everything that WWE isn't, which is great. I mean, there are some uh issues there, but oh yeah, I I never miss AEW. Oh, cool, cool, cool. Well, let's Go ahead and talk about it. So, Ciara, Jennifer, uh, unfortunately, it looks like Andrea was supposed to join us, but she's having some trouble uh, with the app. I'm trying to get her in. But we can go ahead. We can jump around a bit. I like doing free form on culture. And, of course, callers, if you want to call in, talk about any topic at all, including professional wrestling, of course, Scott Hall, women's professional wrestling, the AEW show tonight, or anything else culturally related feel free to do so at any time but let's yes let's talk AEW tonight the big match Britt Baker Thunder Rosa AEW Women's Championship in the steel cage I want to ask for predictions but it's a two-part one one who's gonna win two who's gonna bleed I Thunder Rosa better win I mean, she has been a long time coming. So if she doesn't win, expect to hear me screaming somewhere. But 
I, as far as bleeding goes, I mean, there's probably both of them if it's going to happen. Oh, yeah, it's in the steel cage. So, yeah, they'll probably both bleed at this point. Yes. They did have blood in their, I think they both bled in their lights out match. Obviously, Britt Baker bled a lot. But, yes, hopefully, I'm calling, I agree as well. It should be Thunder Rosa. It has to be Thunder Rosa. And they both should bleed. It's the steel cage match. It's a main event. You got to do it. Give us some blood and guts, AEW. Absolutely. I'm going to go with Britt Baker. What? Wow. Yes. Wow. And it it hurts me to say this. (laughs) It pains me to say Britt Baker. Um, Especially as someone that's been following Thunder Rosa's career since the very first time I seen her on a show in stardom. You know, and was like, who is this luchador? Where did she come from? I know they're getting a lot of luchadors, but where did she come from? See, uh, I, you know, I, not to derail you, but I actually, I actually happened to be in Japan, and I got mm-hmm. to go backstage to a stardom show, which was one of their Thunder Roses stardom shows. So I got mm-hmm. to meet her, interview her there. You know who else was one of the other guys in there? Chelsea Green, who has also made yeah. a pretty big name for herself since then. Yeah, that was like during the time when they first started uh, bringing over a lot of gaijins. And I remember thinking like she looks different. You know, she kind of has the face half painted. And I was just like, she's different. Where did she come from? And, you know, from some digging, I found out she was local in California. So then I started following her stuff there. But it pains me to say Britt Baker because of all that I've followed Thunder Rosa with when she upstarted Sabotage and Mission Pro and all that stuff but it just for me it feels like the company is not ready to take the belt away from their darling Britt Baker it's it feels like there's something more they have to do with Britt Baker before she loses the belt and I feel like they're both going to bleed but I feel like Britt might be the one that bleeds the most. Okay. See, I agree with that. I think Britt uh, Brit will definitely bleed the most. I think she's going to try to top her last one, which was pretty mm-hmm. good. Um, Britt actually win. I, 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 Ciara, I do feel that the Britt Baker story is not quite complete. I mean, one way to do it is to have Thunder Rosa win, but then Britt wins it back and a short order, which, uh, which you know, Dave AEW has done with the TNT title, and you know, I don't think it would be a bad thing if it happened with the women's title, especially since you have that nice stable title around Jade Cargill's waist that's not going anywhere uh, anytime soon. Hopefully, hope hopefully if they're smart. Uh, so I don't know, maybe they'll trade it uh, back and forth and make this a little bit more extended feud. But yeah, I. I, I could I could see Brit winning as well because just because you know they want to do a little bit more with Brit. I just feel like at this point, you know, the feud between them has been building for a long time. We've all been waiting for that final that hurrah moment for Thunder Rosa, um, or that blow off to their feud. It's just with their roster, they're so in depth when it comes to women on that roster. So many women that are capable. That I feel like they've reached that period of where they're ready to move Brit onto something else. And I mean, you never know. Her and Thunder Rosa can pick it up later on. 
you know, but I think Britt's going to retain here and she's probably going to be the bloodiest of all. All right. Uh, Jen, who do you think is going to bleed more? I mean, probably Britt because it seems to be something that she, I mean, more power to her. She seems to enjoy it and embrace it. I mean, that's awesome because I mean, I don't have a problem with seeing women bleed on national television when it comes to wrestling. So. <laughs> yeah, they even made, uh, she got, uh, not only did she sell the t-shirt, there's a limited edition, like, toy figure of her that has bloody head with him. Like, that is cool uh, as shit. Uh, but, uh, so, folks, if you have your pick for tonight, Brit or Thunder Rosa, feel free to call in. Let me know what you think, who you think is going to win. I'm excited for the show. It's a big show. Lots of stuff on it. You got Scorpio Sky versus Wardlow. Does anybody have any strong opinions on that one? That is a bit of a unstoppable force versus immovable object match where you have Scorpio Sky with his long winning streak, just won the TNT, TNT Championship versus Wardlow, who seems like the next guy who's just seems absolutely unstoppable right now. I feel like... MJF is gonna is gonna return and he's gonna cost Wardlow the title, because I, I I really hope Scorpio Sky doesn't lose it. It's his first singles title debut and he's been so underrated for so long. It's really nice seeing him get his get his due. I agree with Jen there. It, it's with Scorpio Sky. It just feels like it's been a long time coming. Like AEW is not that old of a promotion. But it feels like we've been waiting eight years for him to win a belt. If he's finally got one. So it's like, please don't <laughs> take it away from him. Like, we just got here. You know? Yep. All right. I I, I agree with the MJF theory that he is going to screw over Warlow. And then Warlow will just go be on a mission to kill MJF. Scorpio Sky will hold on to the title for a bit uh, longer, I think. But who do you think might end up taking it from him? Do you think it might be? Keith Lee. I hope it's Keith Lee. I I was I was I was I figured Wardlow was going to win given how they did him the week before, but I really wanted Keith to win, and there would be no better way to get him over as a top guy like that. You're really behind putting the TNT title on him, especially when it's been held by somebody like Brody Lee. I mean, that's a great lineage. So Keith Lee deserves that next. So my controversial opinion about Keith Lee, and I've said this before, is I don't think he should ever win the title, but he should never lose a match unless it's a title match. And it should always be like when Vader had to lose a match, like the, the he would slip off the turnbuckle or, you know, something would go wrong and there would always be a way out. He should be treated like Andre the Giant, in my opinion, because he doesn't need the title. He's already, he's already as big as anyone could possibly uh, get. But that's my slightly controversial opinion on Keith Lee. But we have finally, finally, our other guest, Andrea, thank you so much for joining us. Please unmute yourself and tell everybody who you are and what you're about. And just unmute yourself. It's at the bottom of the screen. There you go. Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes. Hi. Uh, yeah, so I'm Andrea Hankst. And uh, I contribute to Pro Wrestling Illustrated, and I was also like the lead, like the senior editor for Pro Wrestling at Sports Kita for a long time, and rebuilt fan sided, but not daily DDT. 
their pro wrestling stuff. Yeah, no. And and then like 10 years with the NFL. Like I'm just a, but I'm nothing now. Hi. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming <laughs> on. Uh, I'm so excited uh, to have you here. We've been talking about a lot of different things. You were having, the app was giving you a little bit of trouble. Hey, it gives yeah, me a little bit of trouble too. trouble with the app. We're, yeah. we're, we're cool now. We got right. it. <laughs> cool, cool. But I'm so happy to have you on. But I don't know where to start because we already covered a few things. But let me hit you with actually Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa. Who you think is going to win? Who you think is going to bleed? It's Thunder Rosa, and I hope they both bleed because the more that AEW allows their women to bleed and it makes WWE, like, weird mad, (laughs) they get get weird mad. They get weird mad about it, and it's because they're jealous. Yes. Honestly, I think it's because they get jealous because they can't do it. And like, and then they, and then they get weird mad about it and they have to talk about it publicly. Like, oh my God, it's so disgusting to see <laughs> this. Um, no, they, they, they just weird mad. Um, and they're both going to bleed because they got to bleed, but it's, um, they're only doing this match because it's time for Thunder Rosa to win the title. And we're, we're in San Antonio this evening. Yes. Please, please. That's the <laughs> <hometown>. <laughs> That's why we're doing this. All right, you are Andrea coming in very, very hot, very, very hot. Callers, if you want to get on the line, if you want to ask any of our, this wonderful panel of experts a question on professional wrestling, on women's wrestling, on AEW tonight, absolutely anything at all, please feel free to do so. I want to uh, ask you all now because I got to talk a bit about it before the show. What what are your thoughts on the life and times? Of Scott Hall. He was, you know, I, I said before on, when I started the show, he was one of my favorite wrestlers as a kid. Absolutely fell in love with Razor Ramon as soon as I saw him. Actually, with, in WCW when he was the Diamond, was he the Diamond Stud? I forget. Diamond which Stud, was. yeah. Yeah, he was the, I liked him when he was the Diamond Stud. Like, that's how far back I go with Scott, with big Scott Hall. Same. Um, yeah, please tell me your thoughts, your your feelings on his life, his career. I just I've been watching clips of him, watching interviews. Just man, one of the last cool white boys there ever is there ever gonna be. I just absolutely dig him so much. This is trash that he's dead, and I'm pissed. Like I'm pissed. I'm pissed that it happened this way and it happened now. I'm I'm, I'm it just. I get I get really grossed out about like complications from surgery that. It just scares me. And um, not like anybody has a way that they are supposed to go out or whatever, but um, just not into it. I'm not into I'm not, I, I'm, I'm upset. I'm upset about the whole thing. I'm upset that he's dead. I'm upset how it went down. I'm upset about all of it. Yeah, so, very. Yeah, very upset, but upsetting. But I've been, you know, focusing on the positive. What, is, what are your, some of your favorite memories of Scott Hall? Because I just discovered a new one where he wins the U.S. title at WCW and he just does the funniest little dance with it, just <laughs> shaking his hips and shimmying. I couldn't believe it. It was so funny. Him showing up in WCW and it's just like, you know who I am and you don't know why I'm here was like iconic like that was totally iconic like yeah you know who i am but you don't know why i'm here like hell yeah 
Yeah. We know exactly who the hell you are. And we oh. had, don't know what the hell you're doing there. Good. Awesome. Like, that was, I mean, because that was, you know, that that's the NWO. Like, everybody's like, oh, the NWO. Like, you know, like when when Hulk Hogan, like, turned. No. No, it started with Scott Hall. He was started with Scott Hall and everybody being like, what is going on? All right, Ciara, Jen. Oh, go ahead. I think it's like with Scott Hall, it's the situation is tragic. It's unfortunate. You never know what can happen with surgeries, especially when it comes to surgeries on your body with things like that. Um, For me, I'm going to more so miss the personableness that he had about himself. Mm. Um, you know, like everybody was sharing their wrestling memories. And it's like, I remember him having matches. I remember the infamous match with him and Shawn Michaels, um, you know, that people always cited over the years. I mean, that and, you know, Steamboat and uh, Macho Man, I feel like those are the most two matches everybody always cites as like their favorite. Um but outside of that, just being a person that, you know, I used to watch shoot interviews and stuff like that. Um, and I remember the first time I watched his and just being like, I feel like I'm in the same living room as him having a conversation just about anything. And he was just relaxed. He was real. He was straight to the point about the business and how. Yes, it's a business. He handles it like a business, but he does not take it to the point of seriousness like his other peers. And if there's anything when it comes to Scott Hall, one, his look and presence was completely different from what it was during that time. Everybody was kind of campy. A lot of people were kind of looking like cardboard cutouts, you know, and here he comes, you know, white guy playing a Cuban and but he, even outside of that, he still looked different and stood out from everybody, especially how he talked, how he walked, how he carried himself. He's had that natural swagger about himself. And when it comes to Hall, I think this whole yeah, business, like, especially, yeah, when it comes to this business, especially these younger guys that have been on the Indies and gotten signed. They really need to thank him and Nash for going into business for themselves because they really showed during a time when the TV wars were starting and everybody was getting signed to this one or that one. They really showed that you are the business, not these companies. Go into business for yourself. Make money off of your name, not them making money off of you. And without them both putting their foot down, especially with Hall being like, no, we need to do this like this. I don't think we would have this much wherewithal on the indies and awareness nowadays where a lot of these young guys are like, no, I'm selling my T-shirts. You're not. I don't think we would have that the way we do now. Yeah, I actually have a clip of Paul from a shoot interview. Let me know if this sounds okay. But I'm going. And I know Kev's coming. That's a really sick point, by the uh, way. He takes me to his office and he goes, he goes, damn it, you still work for me. He goes, how much some sons of bitches offer you? 
and I'm and I'm thinking, Vince, like I came to you months ago. Yeah. And, I, and I'm going, Vince, I said, boss, I don't really feel comfortable talking about this. I said, I told Eric Bischoff, I'm coming down and work for him tomorrow. I said, I didn't ask you to match it. You know, he goes, well, well how much? And I told him, oh, that's pretty good money when business is doing good. I said, I, I said, you brought it up, Vince. You know, because now I'm thinking, what? Like, what, bro? Months have gone, 90 days have gone by. You never said, let's work this out. Right. I didn't want to leave. I really didn't want to leave. Did he? Was he playing a game of chicken? Did he think that you were going to balk or that you hadn't? At that point, Hall's contract was for 10 matches a year for $150. That's the contract because he was on the original contract this whole time. He made more money than that, obviously. He he didn't let Vince screw him over, but Vince didn't want to give him like a real deal big contract and he didn't want to leave but he said no and he and and in that same interview he's talking about like all you gotta do is give me like my merch give me like half my merch and that'll make a that will make no difference to the vince mcmahon family will make a hell of a difference to the hall family and vince just said no and then like that when he's telling that story that's vince coming to him on the last day that he's working for him that hall is already left and then vince is like what you how much are they paying you like a little bit too too little too late, buddy. Yeah, it, it's that's wild that they like bet it on themselves. I mean, I it's not wild. Like it's wild to think about like when you understand the context of how pro wrestling was in the eighties and the early nineties that people like Hall and Nash um, were you know essentially empowered by Hulk Hogan to be able to like push that envelope and be like, Hey, you know, pay me. Um, but it's also insanely crazy mm-hmm. how, um, how little Vince McMahon, like at that time, particularly valued his, you know, his workers. I mean, it's not surprising, but it's surprising. And, and it's also, I think a lot of fans don't really realize this or know too much about the territory days. During the territories, you have, you know, territories split up within the states, and you have wrestlers travel in and out of different territories. And a lot of them betted on themselves, and a lot of them made thousands upon thousands of dollars. I mean, I don't know how many times Ric Flair has talked about, you know, making 10 grand off one match, you know. A lot of them like made a lot of money. You know, like Kamala was traveling territories and making bank, you know. Yeah, like all of those guys made a lot of money by betting on themselves. What happened is when the territories were brought out and everybody split up into companies, yeah, a lot of them still made decent money, but you would hear so many stories of a lot of them say, I would rather had stayed this way because I made more money and it was more flexible. Whereas Vince and, you know, later Bischoff and whoever else had a company after that controlled that money, controlled, you know, what happened with your merch deals, what happened if you got any advertisement deals, you know, took a percentage of this, took a percentage of that. So I can imagine by 1994-ish, a lot of these guys are looking around and being like, hey, I deserve this amount. I was getting this. I've been around for this such long. Why am I getting cut? And then if you go and have another company approach you and say, hey, you have all of this. This is all yours. You're going to jump ship. You're going to take that extra money, you know? 
And like, that's the other thing too. It's like, it's a guaranteed contract. You know what I mean? It's not like, oh, it's this per night or per venue or per whatever. It's guaranteed. It's the same as right now. You have every week people speculating on if this guy is going to get picked up by WWE or AEW. And it's, I think sometimes people forget that we have to look at the same way when it was WCW and then WWF. Numbers game. More play around. More ample opportunity to do this and that with my person. People are always going to pick the better option for them, even if we disagree with it. Well, That's just how it is. Well, speaking of, I <clears throat> I didn't plan on talking about this, but seeing this is actually huge news. It's amazing that we haven't mentioned it yet. The Hardy Boys are back tonight. Jeff Hardy, who finessed his way out of his WWE contract just by walking out of his match um, and was able to in, almost immediately sign with AEW and he is, is reforming the Hardy Boys tonight against Private Party, which is a big match uh, I, for Private Party, obviously, to be in this matchup with the Hardy Boys, who are just a legendary tag team, still using their original music. Big, big, big match. Uh, what do you think about that? What, do you th- what does it mean to you see the Hardys reforming tonight? Uh, I'm asking my panel if anybody wants to call in and talk about the Hardys, private party, please feel free to do so. But I want to ask you, Hardys, to back tonight. I'm actually excited for it. Excited when it, you know, when it happened, like, and they reunited years ago. Um, but... I will say this, it, and I know it was not the point, but it was unintentionally hilarious that, like, Jeff shows up, and I'm like, I'm going to make the save for Matt, but then the music hits, and I have to do my little dance. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, I loved it. I loved it so <laughs> much. What are you doing? Why are you, Why is this has to be this pro wrestling? It's, like, so pro wrestling to do that, you know? And, like, I get it. Like, you hit the music and you do your little thing before you do whatever. But, like, that's, that, I don't know. I just thought that was, I just thought that was freaking hilarious. I love it. It's Jeff Hardy, though. Yes. (laughs) That's exactly what I was going to say. Like, I've known people like Jeff Hardy. And I I know people like Jeff Hardy. And they will 100%, like, do a pose or something before, like, jumping in for the save. Uh, no, I, I think it's funny anytime that happens. It doesn't matter if it's Jeff Hardy or whoever it is. I just think it's really funny when like someone's out there trying to make the save or whatever, the music <laughs> hits and they have to do the little dancey posey. Yeah. And then like run to the ring. Oh to, like, my god. I just think that's I think that's really funny. It's very pro wrestling. It's it clearly is. pro wrestling, but it is very funny. Yes, I, I just love think it. about when he debuted in Impact. And um, so, like, when everybody was post, like, reposting as a meme what he did on AEW, I was just like, so did we forget about Impact? And it was like, yeah, somebody yeah, yeah. immediately was like, wait, I got you. And I'm like, does anybody remember when he climbed the cage? Homicide was stuck in the cage. Oh, my God. Jeff Hardy was climbed up to the top. That was the stupidest thing Homicide has ever done. And Homicide's done some stupid stuff. But that was really dumb. And Jeff Hardy climbs up the cage. And mind you, this cage resembled a bird cage. And sat on top. And his knees were playing. I'm looking at it now. Oh, my God. 
It's so ridiculous. I mean, well, I mean it's pro wrestling. Like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it looks cool, though. It's a very, it looks very of the moment. Like, you can't get more 2010 than his outfit no. in this clip. You really cannot. Like, this This was the era. Uh, please look at Jeff Hardy 2010 TNT, uh, TNA debut. It's the most 2010 image that you will ever see. And oh I actually think impact i mean tna like hot topic could never you know what i mean i actually think i've been thinking about this a lot like tna much more than wwe like was of the era and its shows were of the era i think Mm -hmm. if you like i think if you show people now like tna week to week versus wwe they might actually think tna is kind of a bit cooler and a bit hipper it was like kind of like versus WWE right now, like kind of, like kind of, yeah. Like oh, it kills it yeah. right now. I think I actually yeah. think it kills it right now. It, I, I mean, I, and it I, was I ridiculous. It. Like I, I don't, I don't, I don't mean to be one of those people. You know what I mean? Like I don't really mean to be one of those people, but I don't, I don't watch WWE anymore. I basically like I, I ramped it down. After WrestleMania last year, because I quit my full-time pro wrestling media job. And I was like, okay, I'm only going to watch this if I care. And then I really, really, really stopped caring. And then the NXT 2.0 thing happened, and I, like, it, that wiped me out. And I, it's just, it's not for me. And Vince doubled down a couple of weeks ago or a month ago or whatever that was, where it's just like, this is like, this is not pro wrestling. Like, get again. He's like, you know, this is not pro wrestling. This is sports entertainment, blah, blah, blah. That's not for me. That's, it's not for me. And like, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna rain on anybody's parade. If you like it, great. I'm so happy for you. But, you know, there's like, you know, we're, we're we're all internet wrestling weirdos most of the time, right? And there's a lot of people who, like, hate watch this stuff and just watch it just to crap on it and get really mad. And it's just like, just don't watch it. No one's yeah. making you watch it, you know? And it's just like, it's not for me. Yeah, Alan, I, I'm sorry. I, I've been watching this TNA clip. And I, I used to think TNA was not for me. And it was bad, but the he after Jeff Hardy sits on the top of the cage, there's a segment where he goes back and hangs out with Shannon, and he paints a pit portrait backstage at TNA. He's yes. just an artist, and he paints the picture, and yep. he gives it to these teen girls that come up to him. And I'm just like, wow, it's actually cool that the they acknowledge that like a lot of his fans are teen girls, and like he gives them a picture, and like I don't know, that's kind of cool. And he takes off in like a Lamborghini. <laughs> it's like TNA. Maybe <laughs> TNA was actually good. <laughs> it's so insane. <laughs> Like, literally, like, a, a Lambo. It's so wild. A yellow it's Lamborghini. Not, it's nuts. It's great. It's great, you know? Like, when they had that Dixie Carter money for a minute, for, like, <laughs> not for very long, but when they had that Dixie Carter money for, like, a minute, it was cool. Until she, like, you know, made herself a character. But, you know, that's a whole other ball of wax there. You need that Dixie money. Tony Khan doesn't spend that Dixie money, if I'm being honest with you. If I'm being... If I'm keeping it with 100, 100 with you, he could be wasting a lot more of his dad's money on AEW. I mean, he really could. 
I haven't seen I haven't seen a car in a minute. I haven't seen a car get destroyed in a minute. I haven't seen the only car that got destroyed was Sue's minivan. Like, come on, <laughs> you know. Why doesn't Keith Lee have a monster truck with like a Keith Lee like theme really? that he's gonna go a against Powerhouse truck? Hobbs? I oh want a Powerhouse oh Hobbs you know Keith Lee monster truck match. Let me just kind of DM to TK right now. Keith Lee needs a monster truck and watch it happen. <laughs> then they're gonna go out here and race Grave Digger, you know, just for the the giggles. I'm telling oh. you. Bring in Deuce. Bring in Medusa. I, lo- I mean, she oh. retired at one point from it, but I think she still got it in her. But I, she did I was, it for a number of years too. Oh yeah, a long time. It is shocking to me, and just it's shocking to me Medusa that it's like my like favorite. Yeah, Medusa has this amazing wrestling career in Japan, then has a big star in America, and then is just a monster truck driver. For twenty years and one of the top stars there. Why doesn't she have a bi- like two or three biopics already? She's just an amazing story. But I'm so she's glad it's a, it. she's yeah. working on it. Oh, good. Uh, uh, I know she is. Yeah, um, a movie and like maybe or something that's like a limited run kind of like Netflix, like six episode kind of stuff. Um, I know that she's working on that, but yeah, she has like a hell of a story. Like she really does. Um, from my time working with her and getting to know her, she's got. There's so many layers to her story. Yes. That um she's never ever told people. Um and she's been through it. She's been through it. And I mean, before she was wrestling, she was a nurse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't know that. And uh-huh. then, you know, working in Japan and sleeping on buses and the experience she got there. And so like when she started working with stardom. You know, after so many, at that point, it was about a good 15 years that she had been away from the business. And she's like technically like what, like the GM or like the honorary GM or something of stardom, something yeah, like that. Right? But I'm not sure she still works within that position. Um, but the pandemic makes it hard. You can't go to Japan, you know. Well, the reason why I'm saying it is because I think that relationship kind of went its separate ways years before that. Um, When she started working with Stardom, it was about 2015, 2016. And that was during when they were trying to wager a way to cross over to the United States, uh, working with shows, um, getting the shows on platforms. They were working with like Shimmer, right? Not really. A little bit, you know. Like a, if, they were, if, bit, if talent was this... coming to the U.S., they were gonna like, you know, because Shimmer was like such a top women's promotion here but they for a never while. Directly work with Shimmer because one, you got two different bookers. You got Rosie Agawa, and then you have Dave Prezak. Yeah, who they I've... both book differently. Yes, so. I, I, I've yep. gotten to know Dave a good bit and Rossi a little bit. Very, very interesting guy. Bookers are very interesting people. They're almost they're yeah. like film directors, like very, very interesting people uh, to talk to you. Oh, sorry for interrupting though. Oh no, you're fine. But but that's why they never really like. Yeah, they shared talent, but they never work directly with each other because you got one booker that wants things to go this way. And then you've got one booker that has a consistent line of booking of how they continue their show series, which is shimmer and just booking it one way, just to get over certain amount of talent. That's probably never going to appear here. Correct. Which is stardom. Yeah. That's going to kill any type of momentum. So that made sense. But 
she when she started working with stardom and I remember her and I having a conversation and she she was floored to be asked. No, she was floored. Yeah, absolutely. She was blown away by it. Yeah. Especially after being away from the business for so long and then getting back into it and then getting to know a lot of new faces that were on the indies then because, you know, she stopped doing the indies and everything. (laughs) And it was kind of like, as she said to me, like, it was first day of training again. And now seeing where she's appearing at so many events and stuff like that, it's is very heartwarming because she finally found that medium of where she can do this and still maintain life outside of wrestling. And there's, and there's so many women. I don't, I don't honestly, I think there was like quite a few years where Medusa didn't even realize what kind of influence that she had, you know, Mm. that there are so many women who like came into this business Oh my God, I'm getting emotional. I'm sorry. I'm like, yeah, oh, please. We get emotional here. You know, she did Um, not know. um, So many women did this because of her. She did not know. And her and I had uh, a lot of candid conversations to where we actually knew each other personally. Yeah. Same. (laughs) And she did not know the influence that she had. And Mm -hmm. I had to explain to her, I said, you don't understand you had an influence out here. A lot of these women do certain things and ring pattern after you. And that, you know, in that same conversation, I brought up Luna Vashon and I said to her, I said, you don't understand when I see certain girls on the Indies do certain things. I'm like, you mm-hmm. watch a little bit of Luna. You watch a little it's bit Luna, of Medusa. It's, it's, it's Luna. It's Medusa. It's Sherry. You know, you can pick it up and, in there. Yeah. You can see it, but when you're in the business and you're doing this because this is your career, this is your life, you don't think about the perception everybody else is picking up while watching you on television. That's what it is. They were in that glass bubble. And there's still women on the indies right now. Like if somebody pulled cheerleader Melissa to the side and said, Oh my God, you influenced my career and everything. She'd probably look at you like you're crazy. <laughs> you know, she'd probably be like, excuse me. But cheerleader Melissa is a, is a- pioneer yeah but a lot of those women don't look at it that way because you know all of them were in a fight to be right one women's match you know like if you're in the indies there's one women's match and if you're not in the indies like for literal decades all you could like all you could hope for right is like oh if i go to wwe wwf whatever you know I'm going to have to like get breast implant and do like a diva's crap match for two minutes. And here's my like underwear, you know, like that's the most you can hope for to make a living off of this. Yeah. But believe it or not, there was a time where a lot of those women didn't even look at WWE as an option. Yep. They, they wanted to stay on the indies because of that public humiliation. So yeah. when you have or Mercedes Martinez, because there's, there's like know, mad shit going on in Japan too. Yeah. Sorry for my language, but it's it's when you see someone like Mercedes Martinez appear mm-hmm. on WWE and AEW after being in the business since 1999, mm-hmm. being on Sunday Night Heat and during that era where they completely brought panties, and then now seeing her come full circle and actually yeah. being signed, you're just like. They they actually watch Shimmer. That's the first thing you pop up in your head because you're just like, 
y'all are finally seeing the thing that so many of us have been seeing for yes. so long. For so long. But it, that's just how it is. I mean, people always harp on and big up Joshi. And one of the reasons is with Joshi is because so many women are within Joshi, but so many women get opportunities. It's not, I mean, the Indies has a thing just like the companies on television. They have their favorites. They book the same girls. And it's understandable. But there's just so much. Well, sometimes talent. I only book one girl. Like I don't mean to be a I don't mean to be a, like a, a an ass about this, but like GCW could do more with women. Yeah, but GCW has never been a, a welcoming promotion to women. Period. So when it comes yeah. to the Indies, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if the promotion has never really been welcoming to women, they're not going to book more than three women. That's how I always looked at it with wrestling. Ed. Or one to three women. Yeah. <laughs> Not one always three. three. Sometimes just one. You know, and that's usually how it is. And I mean, mm-hmm. in this case, it shouldn't be like that anymore um, with any promotion. But again, you still have people that have, you know, misogynistic ideals or just don't really see the marketing of women's wrestling or no, also don't, women don't, are know a draw. How, or yeah. don't know how to market women outside of intergender wrestling. That's mm-hmm. another thing too. So there's That's, there's a lot of caveats within it, you yeah. know. We That's only a have a really strong point. I'm sorry to like step on everybody here, but that's a really strong point because even when the Indies like even like the cool Indies that are, you know, Indian around right now, um don't necessarily know how to book women outside of intergender. That is that's a that's a hell of a point. That's that's strong as hell. That's you got a good you, yeah. Yeah. So we only have five minutes left, and a great discussion. Thank you so much for uh, take, uh, doing that. Y'all y'all need to talk more, and we need to talk more. But we only have five minutes left, and I cannot do this without talking uh, some good stuff about Joshi. Tell me who your favorites are. Tell me about how much you love Joshi. Tell me some good matches. Let's get some Joshi discussion going because I very rarely get to talk about it, but people don't know Joshi Pro Wrestling, Japanese women's professional wrestling, is my favorite thing. Period. I like it better than movies, books, video games, anything else. Manami Toyota match, that's me in heaven. So please tell me where your Joshi picks. Let's talk some Joshi before we close our show and uh, watch Dynamite. I'm just going to say two words and it's Minami Toyota. That's it. Like, like, yes. come on. Like she'll, she, you know, if, if you like Samoa Joe, if you like, if you want to watch somebody beat somebody up and that's what you like about professional wrestling, Minami Toyota, man, she'll, oh God, you will, you will scream. I counter with Akira Hokuto. Because she, this woman can even counter, man. It's, it's, it's absolutely like her rookie year on the same level and still continued the match. Yes. Yeah, she, she combines wrestling with theater so well. It is just, I, I really wish she was still wrestling today because she's just, she's my all time favorite. She's I my just all-time say that. one. Yeah. Akira Hokuto versus Shinobu Kandori. Oh, Folks, if yes. you, if you uh, yes, if you if you're having trouble with those names, don't worry about it. Just type in greatest women's match of all time, 
that will be at, on one of the top five uh, searches. Akira Hokuto versus Shinobu Kendori. She bleeds buckets in that one. That is anybody who sees it usually concludes it's one of the greatest wrestling matches of all time. Just absolutely like 40 intense min- minutes of hard-hitting stuff where you have Akira Hokuto representing AJW versus Shinobu Kendori, the former judo- uh, judoka, uh, world champion judoka, uh, who's representing, I think, was it JWP or LLPW? I sometimes, LLPW. LLPW. I sometimes forget which feud is which, but it's a... Big, big match. You have to check it out. Absolutely love it so much. Uh, Ciara, I know you got tons and tons of Joshi for us. Yes. Uh, Jen uh, actually said one that's like one of my all-time greats. Like my header on Twitter has my two all-time greats, which is Akira <laughs> and Bull Nakano. And, um, oh, Bull, yes. And Akira, for me, it's it's not only just the theatrics that she does and she's just into the theater work. It's if you really break down a science, her and Marika Yoshida are innovators with Joshi. Mm. They created a lot of moves that we see a lot on the indies. And, you know, I don't think a lot of people know that these women created these things with their bare hands. But Bonacano, especially like when it comes to big women in wrestling, just the way she was able to move so fluid oh, and yeah. just do certain things. And then on top of that, her look. Was just no, we get all wild about Keith Lee. Oh, Keith Lee can move, Keith Lee can move. Like, <laughs> and, and no, I mean, and not like no, 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 not like Aja Kong, neither. Not if I be yeah, honest yeah, with you, yeah, like Aja Kong, like Bull Nakano, and also exactly to your point, there's a lot of stuff that has happened in Joshi over the years, decades ago, that is influencing and innovating in pro wrestling today and nobody talks about it. Like, at least Excalibur could talk about it or something. Like, give that a reference. But, like, yeah, the women um, for decades, like, have never um, gotten their... No. Well... I mean, Bull Nakano, I mean, Kana, obviously... I mean, aka Asuka in WWE. Yes, uh, Io Shirai. Before we saw her get signed, all of that, and I mean, I have a long ass list. You know this. Yes. Well, unfortunately, we can't get into it because yeah, it is time to end our show. But thank you all so much. Folks, I'm sorry we went a little bit long, so I don't have time for you to outro, but all the links will be on my Twitter account at Leslie Lee III. If you find me, you will find all of my wonderful guests tonight. Thank you all so much for joining us. We will have to do this again. Wonderful uh, discussion. Have a good one, folks. Have a good night. Enjoy Dynamite. <laughs>